Chapter 1 My name is Saturday Shepherd, and I am a normal kid, as normal as they come. There's absolutely nothing special or unique about me at all, except for my name. Let me address that right out of the gate. I know I have a weird name. I've been told that my mom thought it would be fun to name me after the day of the week I was born. Sure, never mind the stack of baby name books. Let's go with Saturday. Whatever. It could be worse, I guess. Like my grandfather says, at least it's not Monday. That joke absolutely kills in the 50-plus demo. Both of my parents were gone before I was old enough to ask them what they were thinking. My mom died shortly after giving birth to me, and as far as I know, my father never laid eyes on me. He bounced and went off to do his own thing. Anyway, the day my life changed forever started off pretty normal with me on a bus. I was taking the bus from my grandparents' house in the Bronx to Chinatown, and not for the dumplings. I was headed downtown for one reason, to finally land a summer internship. No judgment, please. No one wants to spend their summers playing video games and chilling out more than me, but it simply wasn't an option this year. It was the end of my junior year, which meant it was time to start looking at colleges. And if I wanted those colleges to seriously look at me, I had to beef up my resume a bit. By this point, all my friends had long since locked up their summer plans, and I was getting desperate. I had plans, big plans. I didn't know a lot about my dad. In fact, I don't even have a picture of him. But my grandfather told me that my dad had been a lawyer, and apparently a good one. A real bloodsucker, my granddad had said, before my grandma swatted him in the back of his head. I wanted to be a lawyer too. I had the grades and I was a pretty good student, despite having what my guidance counselor referred to as restless legs and an active mind, which was putting it kindly. Although I did see her refer to me as a fidgety little shit in her notebook, which was not as kind. Despite my grades, my extracurriculars were less than stellar. My after-school life consisted of playing video games with my friends, reading comics, and trying to binge-watch as much programming as possible. Despite my sedentary lifestyle, I'm fairly athletic. I like playing sports. Well, I did until my genetic heart condition forced me to stop in middle school. So I spent all year trying to find an internship with one of the high-powered law firms in the city. When that didn't pan out, I lowered my standards a little bit, and I started looking at smaller firms, one-person operations. Still nothing. Not even an interview. I was getting really desperate. I knew if I didn't land something fast, I was going to end up flipping burgers all summer, which would give me a little cash, but not help at all on the college front. I was getting hopeless when I received an unusual letter in the mail. As I sat on the bus, I unfolded the letter and read it for what seemed like the hundredth time. It was handwritten in black ink on thick white paper. Mr. Saturday Shepherd, it is with great joviality that we inform you that you have been selected for candidacy for our summer internship program. After a lengthy and competitive search, we have resolved that you would make an ideal candidate. Please deliver yourself to our offices on the 5th of June at 1000 hours to be interviewed. Please be advised that candidates are required to bring with them an updated resume and completed family tree. Faithfully, Mallory Moran, SSE, Offices of Mallory Moran, 601 South Mott Street. I wasn't sure who Mallory Moran was, and I couldn't remember ever applying to her office, but I was so desperate I wasn't going to question it. In my estimation, this interview was all that stood between me and a hairnet this summer. So there I was wearing my best and only suit, 
normally reserved for funerals, carrying my grandfather's faded brown briefcase with combination locks, trying to dodge the drool from the guy sleeping next to me on the bus. This was my first legit job interview. I had no idea what to expect. I completed the family tree as requested. It seemed odd, but it hadn't been much trouble to do anyway. My family tree was very lopsided. After my mom died, her parents, John and Carol Costa, took me in and raised me. They are two of the nicest and most caring people in the world. I've been told I inherited my dark brown eyes from my mother, and almost every day my grandmother says that she sees my mom in my smile. So I try to smile often, just for her. As usual, I am daydreaming when the bus comes to a sudden stop and I lurch forward, face-planting awkwardly into the seat in front of me. My sea buddy doesn't even flinch. His face is still squished against the cold window of the bus, mouth agape, a steady stream of drool puddling just beneath his chin. Standing up, I hefted the large faded brown briefcase with me and began the familiar shuffle down the aisle to debus. Excuse me, sorry, I offered as I awkwardly bumped into knees and shins and almost decapitated a little old lady with my bulky briefcase. Watch it, someone said. I knew better than to turn around. I just apologized again as I stepped off the bus and out onto the street. I turned to thank the bus driver as the doors slid closed in my face, and the bus lurched back into traffic. In my 16 years of life, I'd been to Chinatown a handful of times, and I was greeted by the familiar sights and sounds and smells. It's very much like stepping into another world, which is what makes it such a tourist destination in the first place. As I walked down the sidewalk under the colorful awnings and flashing neon signs, I passed countless shops with food and trinkets hanging and waiting to be sold. I allowed myself to be swept up into the crowd. In one shop, a Chinese butcher was exchanging American dollars for fresh meat from an open-air stand. In another store, a dealer was peddling jade statues and golden emblems all laid out on colorful rugs. The smell of the roasted duck coming from a nearby shop had my mouth watering, but I knew that if I stopped, I would be late for my interview. I passed by shops selling traditional Chinese garments, bubble teas, herbal remedies, just about anything you can imagine. I even walked past a store that exclusively sold a large variety of chopsticks. At one point, I was tempted to take one of the side streets and duck down into one of the many tunnels that I'd heard crisscross Chinatown to escape the crowd. But ultimately, I decided against it, since it would have almost assuredly ended with me being completely lost. Instead, I decided to grit it out and just enjoy the sights. Soon, the crowd began to slowly thin out around me as I walked deeper into the heart of Chinatown. The buildings began to look more and more drab the longer I walked. The dull stone tenements were spotted with colorful banners and baubles hanging outside of the open windows. Most of the banners were crimson red with yellow lettering, displays of Chinese pride from the inhabitants. The smell of spices and cooked food were replaced with the sounds of street vendors peddling fakes and knockoffs to anyone they could lure into their shop. There were purses and watches of all different types, as well as DVD copies of movies that hadn't even left the theaters yet. From experience, I knew often those DVDs were just someone in a the theater with a hand camera filming the movie illegally. Piracy is not a victimless crime, people. When I reached the 600 block of South Mott Street, I crossed the street eagerly, straightening my tie and trying to muster my courage. Butterflies fluttered feverishly in my stomach. I searched around, and when my eyes landed on 601 South Mott Street, my heart sank. 
Hastily, I pulled the note back out and double-checked the address, and then looked back at the building. The yellow sign with red letters read Sifu Walk, 601 South Mott Street. It certainly did not mention anything about Mallory Moran. I won't lie, I panicked, and the butterflies in my stomach turned acidic. My first instinct was to turn around and leave, but I hadn't come all this way to give up that easy. So I straightened myself up and I pulled open the door. A set of bells hanging from the door hinge let out a loud pang as I stepped into the restaurant. The thick, hot air and the aroma of fried food hit me in the face. Sifu Walk was not a large place. It only had a handful of tables. A cash register sat on a small bar on the opposite end of the room, and a colorful beaded curtain was the only divider between the dining area and the kitchen. I was the only soul in the place. The beaded curtain parted noisily as an elderly Chinese woman poked her head out to see who had dared into her domain. She gave me the kind of look you'd give someone for waking you up from a dead sleep, not the look you'd give someone who steps into your place of business. So I quickly grabbed a seat at a table against the wall. The table backed up to a cooler that hummed loudly. The lady stepped through the curtain and made her way over to my table. The soles of her shoes squeaked noisily against the dingy linoleum floor. You eat? She asked with a thick accent. Um, sure, I said nervously. You order now, she told me, or asked. I can't be sure which. I had no interest in eating at the seafood walk, mostly because I had no interest in spending the next few days camped out in my bathroom. Actually, I think I'm in the wrong place. Sorry, I told her, which was not a lie. You go now, she said curtly, and walked back toward the kitchen without giving me another look. So I stood and walked toward the door. But in an act of sheer desperation, I called back out to her. Excuse me, uh, do you know Mallory Moran? Is her office nearby? The lady poked her head back out of the beaded curtain. You come with me, she said, once again disappearing. I didn't move. Instead, I just stood staring at the space where her head had been, replaying her words over in my mind. The absolute last thing that I wanted to do was follow the grouchy lady down the greasy rabbit hole that was the back of the seafood walk. On one hand, I imagined that walking into the kitchen would be enough to turn me off Chinese food for the rest of my life. On the other hand, the thought of returning home empty-handed and facing my grandfather was less than ideal. So I swallowed hard and pushed aside the beaded curtain. The other side looked less dramatic than I was expecting. The kitchen itself was small and cramped, little bigger than a hallway, and while the red tile floor was grimy and covered with a significant layer of grease, the rest of it was relatively clean. A single stove sat cold and the large wok was empty. The woman that I was supposed to be following was standing next to a large metal door on the other end of the room. She wore a look of utter impatience with her finger crooked, beckoning me on. So I guess I don't need a hairnet to come through here? I asked, trying to crack her hard exterior, but she didn't laugh. Up close, I could see that her face was devoid of any resemblance of laugh lines, so I shouldn't have been surprised. Talk less, walk more, she said curtly. You are taking me to Miss Moran, right? I asked, crossing the small kitchen. She said nothing. Just pushed open the second door into a small hallway. The door slammed shut behind her. And not to kill me? I muttered. When I stepped through the second door, it led into the small, dimly lit hallway. The woman stood directly on the other side of the door, which scared the ever-loving hell out of me, 
and caused me to jump back and bump my head hard against the metal doorframe. I shook my head, clearing the stars from my vision, and the woman was pointing down the hall to another door at the other end. Thanks for your help, I said sarcastically, shuffling down the hallway, rubbing the sore spot on my head vigorously as if that would somehow stop the oncoming headache. The hallway looked like something out of a bad horror movie, which I was super psyched about. One lone light bulb seemed to be working, and it lit up the doorway like a gateway to hell. The door itself was plain and ordinary. A small black placard with uniformed white lettering had been placed on the door. It read, Offices of Mallory Moran, Supernatural Sleuth Extraordinaire. I knocked on the door, and when it opened, my world was changed forever.